Is there a particular pain a couple might be experiencing where yeah. they would they might turn to you and you can help them work through that? Well, it's the same every time. And it's the same thing we all face, which is we blame the external world for how we feel. Hey everyone, you're watching the Lively Charleston podcast. Our goal with the show is to interact with and tell the stories of the amazing people, places, and businesses that make Charleston the best city in the world. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And check us out on Instagram and Facebook where we post content regularly throughout the week. Thanks so much, guys. Hope you enjoy the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Lively Charleston Podcast. We have a really fun guest today, one of most inter- interesting men I believe I've, I've ever met, and I mean that as a compliment and also factually. And so we're going to get into why, but I want to start out with a quote that encapsulates what I think a lot of our conversation will be about today. And this came from our guest. He says, my business is dedicated to enhancing people's quality of life. We understand that Beyond the fundamental needs of survival, perception becomes paramount because the way our minds interpret our experiences is truly what defines our well-being. Powerful. Let's welcome Mr. Ian Wood to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So good to be here. Thank you for coming out, coming out to hang out with us and chat with me here for a little bit. And I love that this started from a cold plunge in a sauna. Man, it did. And through a mutual friend. As well, uh, our, our buddy Jordy, yep. um, who kind of connected Jordy. us. Yep, shout out Jordy, um, <laughs> who, yeah, connected us. And then we met, we, we did it with a, a group of six or seven other guys mm-hmm. doing some, some sauna and cold plunge therapy. Yeah. Awesome experience. Yeah. Awesome experience. Well, let's take it back. We have a lot to talk about, so I think we need to get right into it here. Let's go. Um, you, let's kick it off with kind of what brought you to Charleston, how long <sighs> you've been here. We'll That's take, the whole podcast we'll, in itself. We'll take it back. Yeah, that could be, you know, 30 minutes right there. <laughs> okay. I'll try to be crisp. I was living in Mexico. I had been there for about two years. When the pandemic went down, I had just started my business online. My friends were living in Mexico. Things seemed really chill there. My, they were surfing, they were in the sunshine. So I was like, I'm going. So I had been living in Mexico. A teacher that my dad introduced me to when I was real young, his name's Joe Dispenza, took me to a movie, What the Bleep Do We Know, way back, I was a teenager. So I was going to see this teacher for the first time in person in Cancun, Mexico. I had learned to live life in a very unique way as a professional snowboarder, as a commercial fisherman. I could just kind of flow. And I was kind of in that state. I went to see the teacher. I met an amazing woman that lives here in Charleston. But there was something crazy about it. I had never really, I had heard of Charleston, but it never stuck in my mind. But on that trip, I met three people that were from here. So the, it was just like, and it was Mount Pleasant specifically. Really? And I met one person. They said they had a business here. I met another woman. She had a house here. And so then when I met this woman that I was attracted to, that I had feelings for, that we connected, and she was from Mount Pleasant, I was just like, something's things, things talking are to me. Here. Something's yeah. talking to okay. me to pay attention. Okay. I remember being like, all right, I'm paying attention. And right after that, it was a like it was a week long meditation retreat, and I had a flight to California two weeks after that event because I leave Mexico in the hot season, and I had two months open for summer with no plans whatsoever. I had a one way ticket to California. I was going to staff a men's training in California, so I was. It seemed like a calling to come here and just check it out to see if we would get along, to see if I liked the place. Yeah. I came here. 
there was a thriving men's community. I'm sure we'll get into talking about that, that I just dropped right into and the rest is history. I've been here for about a year and a half now. Really? Okay. So you, and, and so you were living in Mexico before you got here. Yeah. Not, not to take us back. You have one of, uh, part of the reason I think you're one of the most interesting people that we've had on the podcast is because you have such a, I think a wild background of experiences. Uh, you were, you mentioned briefly, you were a commercial fisherman in Alaska. I was checking out, you know, some of your Instagram and there's some video footage on there of what you're doing. I mean, it's like, it's like the, the show on TV, like the, what's it called? The biggest catch or something? Deadliest. Yeah. Deadliest catch. So yeah. They're like, catching crab, but we're doing salmon. Okay. So a little different, but yeah, it's got the vibe. Like, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, you've been a pro snowboarder. You've been a writer. You are a writer. Um, you have a pretty, pretty broad um, spectrum of experiences. <laughs> Definitely. I, I th- you know, I grew up a skateboarder and a snowboarder, and I think part of that rebellion to be like the rest of the world yeah. really imprinted in me, the punk scene, the, yeah. the metal scene, like I just wanted to live life differently. And so I followed that, and it's just continuously evolved. Obviously, yeah. obviously I have to live within the structure of reality, the structure of society, so there's this constant adaptation to who I am and, and what I want to create in my life in different chapters. And this chapter in Charleston's completely different chapter for me. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, as a skateboarder, who was your favorite skateboarder? Was it Tony Hawk? Oh, no, I loved uh, John Cardiel. He was this bowl skater. Okay. I was really into like transition and pools and okay. kind of like 80s skateboarding style. Oh, nice. Fast and high and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. remember um i'm sure you saw the movie was it lords of dog town oh, is yeah. that what it's called oh yeah great super movie. good great movie like, kind of the and classic. i love when stuff like that is brought into the mainstream yeah yeah absolutely absolutely okay so so you you transitioned into charleston you get immediately into this men's community um which so so now you're making contacts you're, you're making friends had you already kind of decided what direction your business was going or was that impactful on that yeah, my business, the direction has stayed the same. I'm really into the online space. But what's evolved from being in Charleston and putting roots down here is that now I'm being called more to in-person because I have an opportunity to do that. I, f- I feel like the same way that life kind of magnetized me, brought me here, it's also calling me to be a co-creator of those kinds of spaces. My partner has a it's it's a chiropractic office but really it's a conscious community center because she does huge community events has an amazing space i've been able to teach in several times already i'm putting on event once a month for women right now but i'd like to put on an event once a month for men i'm just trying to figure out what that looks like and kind of feels like because that's where my passion has evolved in being in charleston is being back into the in-person spaces because I just dedicated myself to online for a long time. Of, and is that because you were living in Mexico, you were working with a lot of Americans, and so that was kind of the medium? Yeah, I, I chose online for, once again, coming from the snowboard background, the background that I have is like freedom's number one for me. I've just like, I've prioritized freedom over most other things. The ability to be flexible, to live life the way that I want to. So online was perfect. Yeah. And then I was working with coaches and teachers online. So I was getting the medium that way and seeing that it was powerful. So it started and, and 
it will always, I believe for me, foundationally be a lot online because I literally can work with people all over the world. Why not? I work with people in so many countries. It feels amazing. And now what's happening in Charleston is I'm like, okay, there's something special about being in person. There's something about special about being in, in groups, not online because a screen is a different dimension. 100%, 100%. And, and one of the things, um, and no reason you can't do both, which, which it looks like is what you're doing, right? Yeah. Um, and I, that's the beauty of having an online business is that it scales, right? You can work with somebody in Indonesia and have a, a, a personal relationship, a client relationship, um, and bring value to them. And I'm re- I've really been sensing lately, tell me if this is something that, that um, you agree with. There's, there's been kind of a, after the COVID thing and everybody was working from home, I feel like there's almost kind of circling back to everybody bought a Peloton on the planet. And now like people want to go back to the in-person experience and they want to go one-on-one or small group or just be around people, whatever it is. Absolutely. Because that happened not through choice, right? Yeah. It was forced. It was taken. And I mean, it makes sense to me to get off the Peloton and then get on the bike and actually ride down the road. Right. I think it's beautiful. I support, you know, that's the kind of humanity I support is being out in it and not a ton on screens. So it is a dance. It is this dance of how can we utilize online to work with people. I think we're going to see massive changes in schools, the way that they operate because of the way things went with COVID. But it's also going to open up opportunities for kids to work with teachers all over the world and be in different kinds of classrooms (laughs) and all that. But definitely a flux going back to in-person and, and, that's kind of what I'm wanting to get myself into. So when you host these events, you run these events um, for women or for men, are these, are you, are you diving into and teaching masculine and feminine energies or what's kind of involved? It can, you know, the, the thing I'm doing monthly with women right now is, is called empowering the feminine. And there is a lot of that, but there's a lot of room for, uh, for me, the women's event right now is about making space for expression. I don't think, I think a lot of women have not been able to express their bigness. The world's actually encouraged them to be small and quiet and pretty. But I think there's a lot of big rawness to women that a lot of them haven't actually got connected to. So I actually bring the men from the men's community that know how to hold space for big men that, I mean, we hold men through processes that are wild, you know, the deepest, darkest experiences of their lives for them to feel things that they haven't felt before. And we have the ability and we bring that space for women to just be like, come be as big, take up as much space as you want. Some of them are able to, some of them are shy, timid on the side, and it's always a little bit different. So yeah, I haven't figured out quite what I want to do with with the men's events and masculinity but that the energetics are always in there and it's it's going to be different for whatever develops for men I really want to do it in community style I want to focus on like men so much get permission to work on their physicality physical fitness is totally accepted mindset is getting more and more accepted but there's still kind of this straying away from emotion spirituality is kind of just selected for the churches and there's kind of this full spectrum thing that i think is missing for men doing in community where it's like let's get fit 
let's get our mind right. Mm-hmm. Let's be emotionally intelligent and let's have our own unique connection to spirituality, not just what we're told to believe. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on um, Jordan Peterson as a quote? Um, not word for word. I'm not reading it, but it's to summarize it. It's something like a good man is not a man that's incapable of causing harm. A good man is a dangerous man that chooses not to cause harm or something like that. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's very, I'm, it's, it's, I'm in this phase right now. I've, I've always been a pretty nice guy. I've always been almost to the point of fawning. If you know that survival mechanisms, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, which is like, I'm going to please you for my safety. Got it. And, and so I've kind of been on that end of the spectrum. So I'm inviting in kind of more of that masculine and there's a little bit of wildness in there that is the protector that is the hunter that is all of that that is healthy obviously it can sway and go into dangerous we've seen a lot of it in the world but i love that quote because you know i don't have those skills right now that doesn't mean i'm a better man it just means i don't know how to do that stuff right 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 it's not a choice and i think you know i want to get into jujitsu and these different things to build up that strength and I, I actually love that quote and i think there's deep conversation around it yeah absolutely we could probably go on if we went down that rabbit hole we'd probably go go get a little off track here what about working with um with kids you know when you talk about Ooh. what you're what you're teaching the women the first thing that comes to my mind is i have a 10 year old daughter Ooh. you know and um and she's shy and she does not like the spotlight and she she doesn't like to be big you know like totally. you said she has too many eyeballs on her. Totally. Wants nothing to do with it, right? Even totally. if it's her talent or what she's great at, you know, she doesn't want to put it on display. And I try to work on bringing this out of her, um, but it's hard. Totally. Do you do you have any vision for that? I really want to work with younger people. That's, you know, we talked about the big vision of that company earlier. That's my big vision is I'd love to work with 18 to 24-year-olds when they're just coming out of basically – the strongest programming of their life that they'll ever get, which is being raised in a household that you don't have choice. You're born into that family. The circumstances you you get shape a big part of who you are. And I want to work with with the younger people, but kids, I think kids, all you can do is lead them in the best way that you can and, and encourage and make space for them. And simultaneously, they have to go through all that they're going to go through to give them their unique experience. Yeah. Like she might be here just to experience caging herself in kind of in that way to not be seen, to not express, to some way, to someday break through that and maybe become a public speaker, maybe do music, whatever it is. But all you can do is continue to open that door, you know, in my perspective. But I think as someone that, you know, I say one of my missions, my purpose is on quality of life. And I started working with older people originally in men's work. And it's so much harder to work with someone that's mind's been programmed to see the world in a certain way for so long. Whereas younger kids, their minds are so much more malleable. The neuroplasticity is still there. And I think for big change in the world is to just invest a ton in the youth and mindset and and all those things that I spoke about. Amen. Amen. What are, um, what are some of these? So in addition to developing the men's programs, uh, what are some of the other projects you're working on? Yeah, I got 
I got such a, I, I'm one of those people that loves variety to the fault that sometimes I have to reel it in and focus. Yep, me too. So I run, I run, I actually just started last night. I do online trainings for men. Uh, one, the one we just started is called Forged by Fire. So we really focus on that kind of yang, inner fire. Okay. Facing challenges together. So that's a huge passion of mine. I do one-on-one coaching in a variety of ways. I work with women. I work with men. I work with couples. I, I really love working with couples lately. There's something, I don't know, my life's really shaped me, directed me to have that in my pocket of experience. Yeah, okay. So I like working with couples. And Is there a particular pain a couple might be experiencing where oh, yeah. they would they might turn to you and you can help them work through that? Well, it's the same every time. And it's the same thing we all face, which is we blame the external world for how we feel. And this is what we do in relationship. I feel this way, and you did this. You made me feel that. You did this, and that's why I feel this way. And there's a book. So I'm training in what's called parts work, which is from a background of internal family systems. And there's a book, You're the One You've Been Waiting For. It's this whole perspective of taking radical responsibility for how we feel. Obviously, if there's boundaries we need to set and things, there's a scale of what's not acceptable. But being in a relationship where you look at how you feel and yourself, where does that come from? Why is there so much energy for me in the way they just didn't put the dishes away? Why am I so angry? Oh, that reminds me of when I grew up and this happened. There's always a back. There's always a background to what's happening and relationship i think is the greatest path to personal development but you have to be in a relationship that sees things that way we are bettering ourselves in a relationship you're not responsible for my happiness i'm not responsible for your happiness we were working on ourselves and creating a higher quality of life together yeah yeah well you mentioned parts work i actually i got exposed to that a couple years ago and i had the opportunity to work with a gal um she was uh, amazing in, in the upstate. Um, her name was Christine. And we did, I, I was a little skeptical on it at first. Totally. And it's I wasn't weird. sure what I was looking for. A little <laughs> so bit, yeah. Weird. It's different than other forms of working through you therapy have to or let whatever. Go. Maybe, right? You have to let go of that logical, analytical mind. Right, exactly, which I'm hyper logical, analytical. And the first few sessions was kind of one of these, like, I don't know really, you know, where this is going or how much totally. I'll do this. And then I remember having a breakthrough. I think it was in the third or fourth session. And we would do parts work and we would identify. We had this process and we would identify the part. And then she would have me describe, almost make like a like a superhero of what that part would look like. What would they look like? Wow. And I would describe that. And so then I had a visual of this part of me. They're, they're all part of me. And then they all have a role and a purpose. And then I remember we had a breakthrough and she helped me. It was the first time I've ever had one of those connections where it was like I'm feeling a thing now and I'm having a response to some sort of stimulus here. And we tied it back to a very distinct memory from my childhood. And it was like the last time I felt this was then. Mm-hmm. And it was mind blowing for me that it was the first time I, I the adult to childhood connection, I would mm-hmm. kind of made that you and how it's still it. affecting me. Um, and it was fascinating and I've been a believer ever since. Yeah, I think in couples, Everyone, you know, a lot of people, I won't say everyone, have heard of the perspective of inner child. Yes. You know, I want to simplify it for listeners that it might be a little bit confused what we're talking about, parts of self, but it's different versions of us. 
And the best way to understand this is the child's children's movie Inside Out, which is a Disney movie. And it's basically this perspective that different parts of self can kind of hijack the controls of our mind and have us operating a certain way. And relationship is where that shows up just so profoundly. Yep. Yep. Reminds us of mom and dad and their relationship and this and that. There's just so many ways that that brings things up. And we let them in the closest, so they're the most capable of triggering these these things. Absolutely. And we spend so much time together. I mean, you have, you have children together. You, your subconscious minds just learn all the things that get one yep. another. Yep. And there's something magical about humans, how we just attract the perfect person to bring up all our stuff to work <laughs> through it. It's stuff. like I always say humans are self-healing organisms, and we attract that the perfect person to stir up the things so that we can see it and work with it. hundred percent. hundred percent. Do you, uh, how often do you just say, well, you deserve this. <laughs> you attracted this <laughs> in your coaching. My partner actually says that a lot to me. <laughs> really? I've heard you, you get the kids you deserve. I've, you ever heard that before? Oh yeah, I bet. Like, uh, it's funny. We'll, we'll, uh, I have friends, you know, with, with young kids or whatever that, you know, running them ragged sometimes. Uh, but it's funny. We'll talk about it. Like you used to do that. <laughs> you did that to your mom. I totally. remember you as a kid. Um, it's kind of funny. Who are some of the people that um, influence you? You mentioned Joe Dispenza. Who are some of your favorite um, people that are have shaped and continue to shape? Yeah, Joe Dispenza right now. Eckhart Tolle was a huge one. Deepak Chopra was like the first book my dad gave me. Uh, Rich... Uh, Dick Schwartz is the parts work teacher. Okay, okay. There's a teacher, a feminine teacher, Perry Chase, in my life that taught me a ton. Carolyn Elliott was a huge impact. Taught, wrote a book called Existential Kink that really changed my life. Bruce Lipton, leading in epigenetics, really powerful. I think I could go on and on. You probably could, yeah. Um, are, you, are you a fan of... Um, David Data and yeah. um, John Wineland. I haven't gone into their work a ton, but I'm finding myself moving in that direction more now, the way of the superior man, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It, getting more into that. It's, it's my time that I'm really coming back into the fiery masculine. I really went into the feminine, deep into the feminine portal for a while, two years. Like my whole time in Mexico was really on feminine teachings, which has been profound. And now moving back to really pure masculine teachings. I've noticed recently there's a lot of um, coming back to you're saying you're doing work on the feminine. I've seen a lot of teachers of the opposite sex that have really devoted them to mastery of. So so um, female teachers teaching on the masculine energy and what drives it and and then same vice versa. Um and I think there's something powerful in that. There, there's almost something more receptive, I feel like, at least for me personally, when, when, a, when there's a man saying, hey, here's how to better understand the female energy, and he's clearly an expert on it. Mm-hmm. There's something more receptive mm-hmm. for me than mm-hmm. a female because, because totally. I feel like he understands both. Totally. Right? So he right. understands me and them, mm-hmm. and yet still this is the message. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's why I'm really switching back to I feel like I learned a ton. I'm still learning from that teacher, and I'm realizing a lot of that is 
I'm bringing that in my relationship with my partner. It's benefited me in how I relate to the feminine, right, right, to yeah. women, to feminine energy. I just understanding it. And then that helps me, okay, now I understand and work with masculine energy more. And I'm able to work. I feel like I'm able to work with men or women. I love working with women too because I've been sitting in circles of men since I was 13 years old. I have the inner knowledge of how a lot of men see and experience the world. I love translating that for either side. What would, um, if someone's listening and, and they're, they're curious about your work, they want to learn a little bit more you know, about what you do, um, what would be the next step for them? I think either checking out my website or looking at my Instagram, either my Instagram handle is Ian Wood, so E-A-N-W-O-O-D. Okay. My website's ianwood.com. <laughs> But those are honestly just reaching out and having a conversation from either of those platforms. It's it's kind of, you know, when you learn business, it's do the one thing. Find your avatar, find your niche, market to them. And I'm one of those people, I just, my passion is so many things. So it's, I do this dance constantly of honing in on the thing that I do. And then yeah. it's like, ah, just to be true to myself is like, love to work with so many different people through right. so many different modalities and that's that quote you read at the beginning i'm so grateful you brought that up because that is the truth is i'm just focused on raising the quality of life for people and that's i think most of us are past the means of survival many many people's minds would convince them otherwise but if we're not struggling for food water 100%. shelter every day we're past survival and then it's all perception how much how much love joy connection we feel for life is all in our mind, all in our body, all in our perception. And is that part of the work or, or is that primarily the work that you're doing with people is to help them if there's some sort of a barrier to to essentially seeing the world that way? It's funny because I work with such a variety of people, you know, people working on huge business goals, people working on creation, development, whatever it is, it's all based upon what's going on inside of us. If a someone, you know, I'm working with someone, they're trying to do some insane number of B2B business by the end of the year. You can work with coaches that, are, coaches that are focused on the actions, the goals, and we do focus on that. But the beliefs are the biggest thing in the way. The perception of reality, the understanding of what I need to do to get something done, that the mind, what the mind believes about creation is fundamentally important in the same way as the actions are. So I work with business people that want to make more money, that want to expand and grow their business, and will focus on their value, their experience with personal value, will experience with their beliefs, the limiting beliefs, and it's just, it all impacts all of it. 100%, 100%. If you could go back in time to Ooh. when you first started your business, when you first went to basically away from getting a, a consistent paycheck. If you could give yourself a piece of advice at the beginning of that journey, what would you say? I'm trying to remember the year, <laughs> what I would have told myself to invest in. <laughs> it was 2020, I would have said, invest in hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> hand sanitizer, toilet paper, and Peloton yeah. stock, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I would have said try for more and more outlandish things that was a teaching that really impacted me and i learned and i knew it from snowboarding it was one of the ways i made it to as far as i did was i just asked for crazy things from i would just 
ask companies, hey, I want to ride for you. I want to do this video project. I want to, I want you to sponsor this thing. I would just ask for outlandish things. I would put it out there. Yeah. And when I switched into my business, there was this timidness because it was new. It was different. And I would have just encourage myself, just go for it. Bigger, you know, it's okay if you fail. It's okay if it doesn't work. You're going to learn in the process. So go for it in an even more exaggerated version. I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. There's, there's so many, um, I've even experienced that myself, where it, you're almost surprised when you get the yes, right? Or sometimes you ask for it and they say, sure. And you're like, wait, really? That's it? Just yes? Like, what was the big holdup on me asking, not asking for this sooner if it was going to be that simple? Totally. And sometimes it happens. A lot of the times I realize yeah. when I ask, like the most outlandish thing, Wow. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. Um, I love it. Beautiful. Okay. What about if you could give one piece of advice to someone who they're thinking about taking a big uh, risk, right? Ma- making some sort of a big change in their life right now. Maybe it's entrepreneurial. Maybe it's something relationship wise, relocation, whatever the case may be. Um, what would you say to them? My partner is going to love that. I say this, take care of your nervous system, whatever to the inner world, change is the most terrifying thing because the mind loves familiarity it's predictable oh i know what happens here i know the ingredients i know the elements i know that i'm going to be safe and so when any big change is happening if there's if we're working with calming the nervous system caring for the nervous system putting in any sort of thing that brings in safety in a conscious way we're going to be able to do that thing less i'll use a word from joe dispenza we're going to be able to do those things more coherently. Our mind, body, the way that it's all communicating is going to flow and work better. Our mind is actually going to work better if we're not feeling the survival, like anxiety, overwhelmed. All yeah. Our mind works like crap when we go into that survival state. So in big change, it's, it's matching the actions of what you're doing with caring for yourself simultaneously to remember that you're safe and you're going through change, and there's just going to be kind of a stimulation to it. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Keeping your mind clear, and then you can make better decisions. Doing the cold plunge, doing the, getting the exercise in, getting time and silence. I mean, I have a daily practice still where I just, for a minute, sit down and just go, like close my eyes, and I'm like, all right, there's food in the fridge. There's running water. There's a roof over my head. No one's trying to bomb the country I'm in right now. I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And I just like anchor that in my body because I believe we live in a world that tries to program us with fear and anxiety. It makes us better consumers. It makes us, you know, easier to be in the system and just feeding it. So it's like I'm trying to always build that stability in myself so that my mind works better. I'm more present and focused with what I'm creating. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, Ian, dude, this has been a true pleasure. I really appreciate you coming and hanging out and having a conversation with us, man. Thank you so much for having me. Such a treat. Make sure to check out Ian Wood on Instagram. Shoot him a DM. Um, ask, ask away. and um, See you in Charleston. We'll see you in Charleston. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, y'all. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks so much for watching. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to like or follow or subscribe. Whatever platform you're on, just hit the button to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Yep, and please help us grow the channel by sharing it with someone else who might enjoy it as well. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.